This is Power Players with Dan Clark. This is a podcast interview with University of Utah football star, Junior Tafuna. Welcome to Power Players with Dan Clark, former athlete, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, and high-performance business coach, where each week I bring you an inspiring message from an extraordinary human being who will share their secrets on how you can tap into your personal power to become everything you were born to be. Thanks for spending some time with me today. In this episode, University of Utah football star Junior Tafuna, three-star recruit out of Bingham High School, two-time state champion, rated the number seven recruit in the entire state of Utah, second-team All-State invited to the Polynesian Bowl, shares his life and extraordinary Polynesian family influences that led him to become an award-winning defensive lineman on and off the field as a new husband giving us an inside glimpse into what he did physically, mentally, and spiritually to become the Pac-12 Freshman Defensive Player of the Year, AP Pac-12 All-Conference Second Team, earned Pac-12 Defensive Line Player of the Week against Number 3 Oregon, and earned a spot on the Pac-12 Academic Honor Roll, all in his first year back from serving an LDS church mission. This podcast episode is brought to you by the amazing Siegfried and Jensen. Not only do they support our community as a law firm, but they are obviously cut and dried University of Utah running Ute fans. Thank you so much. So Junior Tafuna, what is your number? Number 58. Number 58, a sophomore from Bingham High School, local talent out of Salt Lake City, Utah. But I have some questions for Junior because he grew up with four siblings, an amazing family. His heritage is from Tonga, which tells you an awful lot about tradition. It shares with us the world of family first, mission always. And it's just such an honor to have you on this program, Junior. I can't wait to figure out what makes you tick and why you're such a superstar at such a young age. Welcome, Bob. I appreciate it, Dan. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Let's go back to your, to your childhood. I'm so curious about the factories we call families. And in our culture, no other success can compensate for failure in the home. And you're truly a family man not just as you grew up in your home, but now as a newly married man dedicated to your beloved wife and hopefully future siblings, I think you should have about six or seven stud sons so that we can keep you know, populating the youth football program for years <laughs> to come. Take us back to your youth. What was it like growing up? What did your parents teach you? One thing your mom taught you, one thing your dad taught you. Um, you know, uh, <coughs> growing up, the biggest thing, uh, I'll start with my dad actually, you know, biggest thing he taught me was uh, hard work uh, just because you know uh, just in our household um, he was the only one that worked in, in, uh, in my in my family and then my mom just stayed home and just uh, showed us how to do chores at home which which I'm which my wife can uh, agree I'm not very I'm very good at so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so hard work for my dad and for my mom was really just uh, to if anything was to respect respect was the, probably the biggest thing to you know to my peers uh, elders just anyone uh, who had a that, um, you know, just that leadership or authority. And so that's one thing that's, one thing that's uh, helped me go a long ways, but uh, has just really just kept me uh, headstrong along with, my, along with my wife. 
So I'm sure there's a lot of fans who really want to know the inside traditions and and cultural uh, coolness of the Polynesian world. So teach us about the Polynesian family, the Polynesian culture. You seem to always be about family. You seem to always be about hard work. Yeah, and man, with uh, in the Polynesian culture, you know, there's a, you know, uh, I'll just start off with the hard work, you know, like, Every Saturday or, like, you know, in the Polynesian culture, you know, we do chores all together all at once. Uh, no one's doing nothing, you know. Uh, we're all expected to kind of carry our weight, but lovingly. <laughs> so that's just uh, one of the biggest things. And uh, and also to um, always uh, just kind of put your family first, like like you mentioned, shared with, uh, you know, all the you fans out there. Uh, just uh, putting your family first and uh, not to do anything that, we, you know, would uh, hurt the family name or hurt yourself. And so, you know, as long as we respect and live by those uh, traditions, you know, that's going to, you know, show people, uh, you know, that, you know, we're Polynesian, but um, we embrace everything, or we try to embrace everyone as well. And so when I played football and baseball with you, Coach Mack was my coach, and he was the first one that really initiated and started the Polynesian pipeline to Utah, yeah. recruiting in the islands and really, you know, taking on that, that opportunity of a lifetime to find you young men you have so much class and so much character that has, has, does not have to be taught once you get here. So when you come to Utah and the, the family feeling, the family culture of the Ute football team, uh, I hear the rumor is that it really began to galvanize and solidify when we got the Polynesian culture, the Polynesian players to say yes to the recruiting trips because you came in and influenced the rest of the team in a way that other cultures, you know, other uh, ethnicities have never been able to do, I don't think on any team. So I'm not going to let that go until we just try to milk it a little bit more. What did you learn from your mother? What <clears throat> in the Polynesian culture is mom the queen? Is, is everybody just works for mom, even dad, eh? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, they say patriarchy, you know, mom was the basically the patriarch in the family, you know. And so uh, just just like that, you know, we followed mom's directions, whatever she gave, uh, whatever she did, you know, we did. And if we if we didn't, you know, you got a little, well, I got a little Polynesian love. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you guys heard of that before, but, you know, it's just a little love. Absolutely. And then that helped you get back on the right track. <laughs> That's funny. So you went to <clears throat> Bingham High School. Yes, sir. Were you highly recruited coming out of Bingham High School? Uh, I'd say, uh, you know, just, just a little bit, you know, just, uh, you know, got, got, got an offer from Utah, you know, Oregon, just, I would say, you know, mostly West Coast, you know, it was, it was, a, it was, a, humble, it was a humble beginning, you know, I didn't start picking it up until my end of my junior year, which, which I was very happy, so. Your junior in high school, you started playing football? Oh, no, I, I didn't no, start. Yeah, I didn't sorry, start, yeah, sorry. yeah. I didn't start getting offered until the end of my junior year, which which was uh, very very humbling. So you won the state championship at Bingham your sophomore and your junior year. Yes, sir. <clears throat> in your senior year, you you didn't lose time ran out, but you didn't lose against American Fork. Let's just put that on the record. <laughs> but I'm curious, man. You were second team all state in in football your senior year. Yeah. And we both know how political that can be sometimes, especially if your team doesn't end up at the championship they don't get as many players selected but then you you come out and you're the Pac-12 freshman defensive player of the year tell us what happened after high school graduation when you were not to diminish second team all state that's still pretty good 
But as a three-star recruit, you would think that, ah, you might be overlooked a little bit or whatever. And obviously you're saying, wait a minute, I was a lot better than the accolades in the awards showcase. So tell us what happened after your senior year of high school. You know, after my senior year of high school, after that happened, you know, after I, you know, had that news, you know, it was, it was a little uh, discouraging, but, you know, I got to respect that there was also other great football players out there as well, which there were at that time, and, you know, and they deserve that. And so, you know, after that, you know, I just went on a mission, and then that taught me a, a really valuable life lesson, you know, just to, you know, really have a, a bigger man in the picture. And then so, you know, that came back, came back for my mission and married, married my beautiful wife, and that kind of set me on a – on my ten toes on the ground, and so you know, you know, I was coming back and getting that mission body. You know, coming back, I was dying in the workouts. Man, you should have seen me. I was, I was, I was like a pig out there. Where did you, uh, where did you serve your mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints? For those listening, yeah, yeah, I served in uh, Cape Verde. Where's that? That's in the uh, west coast of Africa. These uh, these small islands, just literally, just to the left, left of. Uh, Africa. Did they speak French or did they? What did they speak there? Uh, they, they they spoke Portuguese and then their uh, native their native uh, language Creole. So you could have served in Louisiana as well. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we go to to the Sugar Bowl and whoop on Alabama, maybe you can translate for us with all the fans in Louisiana who are complaining about how good we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Get some gumbo down there too. You it's got it. Though, you man. got it. So. You come back from your mission, and did you already have a scholarship? Had you already signed at the UB by the time you came back? Yeah, I signed. I signed at the UB uh, right on signing day, and then I came back, and uh, it was crazy because um, I got back a week from the mission, and then uh, they brought me in that next week. Oh yeah, yeah, and just trust me, you know, push-ups and uh, push-ups and jogging out there in Africa won't won't compensate. <laughs> how, how tall were you when you came home, and how how much did you weigh? Uh, I weighed uh, two twenty-five and uh, six three. This is still the same. Oh. Yeah. And they still had you slotted as a defensive tackle, or were you more of a defensive end with that body? Yeah, I, I was actually a, I, I was actually a linebacker. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so they came in, and then they told me, "Hey, you're going to play linebacker." I was like, "Oh, oh man, DN, defensive end." And I was like, "Okay, I'll see how it goes." You know, uh, went out COVID year. <laughs> we just on the scout team, you know, trying to get used to the pass rush because that was still very very new to me, and so that was a little challenging, you know. And I, I would come home complaining to my wife, I was like, "Man, I'm trying all these things. Like, what do I got to do?" You know, and so I go and do that to spend a scout team of that first COVID year, which was actually a blessing. It helped me uh, really uh, hone, hone my technique down. And uh, during the COVID year, I, I that got, was five five games in twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, just five games and a lot of practices during that during oh, that time. Oh yeah. And so during that time, I'm I'm, I'm really grateful for that time because I was able to develop, uh, really start uh, trying to hone in on the technique that they were teaching me, and so. Uh, during that time, I was, you know, I'm going to be defensive end. Okay, heck yeah. And the next minute I found out I'm going to be moving you to the tackle. And so I found that out. And I, and I just remember I was like, yeah, you know, I'll go in and do it. I'll do it whatever for the betterment of the team. And and uh, I'm just grateful that, you know, the coaches believed in me for that. And uh, for uh, just basically everyone that believed in me, especially, you know, uh, my, my wife big reason why it worked out Absolutely. because I, there was a very there's times where I was really about to just give up because it's just different <laughs> in the trenches it's a different game <laughs> you know when I had, when I played up here at the U 
I came out of high school 6'3", 172 pounds, you know, state 100-yard dash champion. I was recruited as a wide receiver DB, and in the first two summers after high school graduation, I grew two and a half inches taller and gained 87 pounds. So I went from the heir apparent starting uh, strong safety, which is what I wanted to play, the Kenny Easley, you know, from UCLA, from, you know, the days when he was 6'4", about 225, and could run to third-string defensive end with no roommate during two-a-days, almost on the verge of quitting. Like, what in the world? And it sounds like we have something in common. I finally decided I was playing football, not for girls, not for my family or my friends. I was playing it for me, and it didn't matter where I played. I just wanted to be on the field. Is that what you started thinking? Yeah, that's literally what it was. I just remember that COVID year, I was like, man, how come I'm not traveling? (laughs) I was being delirious in my head, you know, I'm going to come back from the mission line. I'm going to get on the field, and it, it didn't happen, and it, and it, and it, re- it really hurt, it really hurt. I remember, my, I remember my wife, you know, I, I, I would cry just thinking about it, but, you know, it's it's definitely a humbling experience. It's what I needed to go through in order to get where I am today, and so definitely grateful for that experience. Yeah, too many of us, I mean, you're such a specimen. You're, I mean, how much do you bench just for the fun of it? <laughs> Man, I don't, shoot, I don't, even, I don't even like to talk about numbers just because – you know, okay, like, just for the <laughs> record, he is a stud muffin hunk of burning love. He's chiseled, he's unbelievable. But I just wanted to bring that up, Junior, because when we go into the gym and on purpose we create discomfort, we on purpose spend yeah. more time, we on purpose put more weight on the bar, and then when we leave, for some reason, most people don't want that discomfort in their real life. And what you're saying is mentally and emotionally, you actually had to go to a mental and emotional gym create discomfort to, to strengthen you, to push you to where you needed to be mentally tough enough. You needed to get your emotional intelligence to catch up to your physical fitness, and that's what allowed you to step into that defensive tackle role and become a starter. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what, what it is. Very cool. So if you're going to give advice to a young high school kid who wants to play D1, what most parents forget about is that when you're in Little League, you don't dream about playing in the NFL. You dream about playing in a high school. So the high school players become the stars and the super heroes of the young kids. And then in high school, I don't remember ever dreaming about playing in the NFL. I just wanted to wear that Ute jersey. I just wanted to play on that field. Yeah. And then once you get into D1 or once you get into the college levels, you, you change your focus. But what advice would you give to parents, number one, who have kids in high school who dream about playing college football, and then what would you say to the kids who need to prepare themselves, not just physically, anybody can work hard and, and strengthen their bodies, but what you're teaching us is, no, it's about heart, it's about mind, it's about yeah. mental toughness, it's about discipline, it's about character. Man, uh, to the parents, you know, who are trying to help their kids get to that level, I would just say just, uh, man, uh, I don't know what I'd say. Just to love practice, maybe, that's kind of the rep that you have you love practice you have a smile on your face during practice <laughs> yeah no yeah I do you know it's it's, it's a love-hate relationship sometimes you know yeah. but the parents will say yeah just just love your kids just keep encouraging them that's the biggest thing is uh just build them up and never bring them down that's the biggest thing that's that's helped me so did you want to play football or did your dad want you to play football yeah that was my dad most definitely it was definitely uh it was definitely their dream for me to play football and then that kind of just went. I was like, yeah, I'm going to play football. And then he told me, you're going to go play in the NFL. I was like, okay, yeah, that's my, that's my dream. And 
So I guess now it's just kind of just been in, been in my mind and been instilled ever since I was younger, which is which is crazy. But it's it's been it's been a uh, crazy to see it from a new point of view, just of um, just of how how things can be taught. So. Very cool. This podcast episode is brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen, one of the finest law firms in the Intermountain West and a definite supporter of the University of Utah football program. So I played defensive end. And uh, I remember in high school when I was a receiver, I went to a, I mean, I played defensive back too, but I went to a quarterback receiver camp and it helped me become a better DB. So did time that you spent trying to learn the swim and learn all these outside pass rush moves as a DN help you once they moved you inside? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Uh, just because, you know, I was, I was, I was definitely still, still gaining weight at that time. I was, I was too, I was, uh, came back 225, gained 25 pounds, and then so put it 250. And then, yeah, the hand, all, the, all the footwork and technique, the hands that Coach, Coach Powell was teaching really translated over to a defensive tackle, you know. Since I wasn't the biggest or strongest, I had to be twitchy. And so that, so since that, that just carried on the twitchiness. And I still try to keep that, you know, and now that I'm, you know, 50 pounds, 50 pounds more, about 300 now sitting over yeah. here. So it, it's definitely helped. And for those listening, twitchiness means he's way agile. So if you could see his body as I can, and I don't want you to get the wrong impression, I always judge an athlete by the size of their ankles because when you have massive muscle structure and you're cut like you are and your ankles are still that sprinter look, <laughs> you know you're twitchy, you know you're agile, you know you got some quick moves, you know you're all that in a bag of chips. So I've watched you a lot, my friend. And uh, I notice your pass rush extremely. I mean, you know, you're, 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 you're famous for the bull rush. You're famous for just stopping the run and you know, plugging the A or B gap, and I love watching you when you have to pass rush from that inside lineman position because you are twitchy. <laughs> so let's talk about personal relationships. Something that always intrigues me is how uh, a, an offensive lineman can keep jumping off sides when he knows the snap counts too and he just keeps jumping off sides. And with all due respect, having been there and then having been in the stands, most of the time – Generally speaking, you would think that there's something going on in his personal life. He can't focus. He forgets his assignment. And so would you agree that you got to get it right at home before you can get it right at work? you got to get it right at home before you can get it right on the field? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely that's true. You get things right at home, you'll be great. I mean, you'll be okay at work. And it's, it's true. I, I agree with that. It's 100% correct. <laughs> so what advice would you have with the single guys or married guys on the team who seem to be struggling a little bit? You got any secrets on resiliency or rebound rate or? Yeah, man, I, I like to go back to uh, you know, uh, Coach Boha. You guys, you guys know him as Bishop. Yeah. I just remember, uh, you know, uh, he always told me, you know, like once you're married, you know, it's your wife that comes first. And so I really took that to heart because you know, during that time, you know, we were, we were going, you know, our first year, you know, marriage is marriage is not always going to be perfect. You know, it's going to be rough at times. But uh, the biggest thing that the men can do is, and your wife is always right. And <laughs> I mean, I'm a young cat saying this. I mean, like it's it's true. I mean, I'm still learning too. But you 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 just choose her, and everything will be be okay. You know, I feel like uh, our wives have a um, their head on straight more than more than the men do, more than the husbands. It's oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And that spills o- over into you as a leader on the team, I would suspect. And when you see someone who's down, you have kind of more natural empathy because you kind of understand the significance of listening and un- unconditional love and forgiveness and rebound rate and all those things that you learn from your beloved Olivia, right? Yeah, yeah, it really does. It carries on, you know, when the mistakes happen on the field, you know, you're not quick to, like, shut them down. Like, what are you doing? You know, it's it's always, you know, my first reaction was, hey, like, I love you still, man. Like, don't worry about that next play. Don't worry. We're going we're okay. So. so that helps you rebound. Like, if you missed, like, if you got double team, you didn't drop down to a knee and plug the hole and they run up the gut for a touchdown. How do you overcome that and forgive yourself? How do you rebound for the very next play just saying, hey, you know? You know, uh, I don't know, man, and what I like to do, I'd say next play. Like, I literally, I will literally, like, if you see me make a mistake on the field, I would literally go like this. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's something that Coach, Coach Ellis taught me, you know, when he played. He was like, well, every time I made a mistake, I just did this next play. And I was like, oh, I'm carrying that over. So it's funny because I think I did that again in Oregon, Oregon State. I think uh, I forgot to pop a gap over, and they hit it right there, I think, in the red zone. <laughs> or so, or they got the first down or something. I just remember looking over the side. And I was like, yep, don't worry. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> So, yeah, that's, I literally say next play in my mind and just keep playing like it never happened. So, so did you have any kind of a, a, of a specific workout that you went through when you came back from your mission? So when I got home from my mission, I got home on a Thursday, reported on Sunday, reported to two-a-days on Monday. That's, uh, that's rough. I know how you feel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trust me, I bent over to pull up my socks, and I thought, what else can I accomplish while I'm way down here? And it was tough. <laughs> So do you remember the routine you followed? Because so, so many times we get discouraged yeah. because we're always focused on the destination instead of enjoying the journey. That's why I complimented yeah. you. Your reputation is you love to practice. Coach McBride, for those of you who are fans, but one of the things I love most about him that made my experience playing football at the U so amazing is he actually made practice fun. He made sure we loved to practice. So... Why do you love to practice? How, 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 do you, how do you equate that into just pushing yourself? What specific routine did you have to get back in shape and to start gaining weight and do all the things you needed to do? You know, the, the routine I, I had was just to, you know, since I got back, it was just to really just respect the process. You know, you we're talking about the process, and it sounds kind of cliche, but it's really respecting the process, you know, uh, just doing what the program has in hand for you to do. So, like, whether it's the workouts, the shakes you're going to drink, I really try to follow that to, uh, to um, what do you say? I really try to obey it, I guess. I kind of feel the word. I really try to follow it because I knew that if I did it, at one point it was going to help me gain the body mass or help me gain the strength that I needed to so that way I could be able to, you know, compete for a spot or even get on the field, which which was my main, which was, which was what I just want to do, just put on the jersey and dress up, look back, you know, if I wasn't going to play, look back in the stand, see if my wife is there. Absolutely. <laughs> just, that, that was just that. And then... It really is just, just honestly just diligence to what to where you want uh, to where you want to go and just just believing in yourself. That's the biggest thing. So it's interesting how you made all Pac-12 academic honor roll. Congratulations. I appreciate it. And I point that out because you've got to be the same off the field as you are on the field. Mm-hmm. I just it, I'm old and I look back and say that the folks that I respect the most are not one dimensional. They're not buffed in the gym and they have their families fall apart and aren't making an income or they're making a lot of dough and they're way obese, out of shape, and they, their families suffer. They, they've gained the whole world and lost their soul. 
So you epitomize the poster child of the, of the balanced man. You're physical, you're mental, you're spiritual. Talk about the significance of that in your life and how, how, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I want you to teach the young cats how important it is for you to keep all three of those involved, it, it balanced at the same level, physical, mental, spiritual. Man. Act, actually for physical, mental, spiritual, and family. Yeah. No, I, I will say, I will say starting off with this is that, man, you know, I, I'm still not perfect at it, but, you know, like, it is, a, it, is a, it is a process, you know. You never can have all things, uh, actually, you can't have all things be great at once. It's just that you have to be, what I would say, uh, uh, be flexible. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, you have to be flexible in everything, uh, just all of those aspects, you know, or at least trying, because if you're lacking in one, it's going to lack in all of the others. And so the biggest thing I would say is just to, uh, it's not all about you because you got you got other things in your life, and you get re- and once you make it all about you, that's when everything's gonna fall apart. And that, I, I learned that actually, you know, <laughs> personally, I learned that. And so just once you start, you know, getting your relationships relationships right, uh, getting your spiritual life uh, on point, and doing all the things best you can, then uh, whatever you believe or you know whatever your religion is, it's gonna fall in place. And that's and I believe that's how it always is going to be. You know, when you do good things, good things are going to come. But when you yeah. do start to do bad things, you know, don't expect good things to come. It's just not how it works. Exactly. Yeah. So, with um, with Ty Jordan and, and Lowe going down in the same year, it seems like right. Yeah. And you were part of that team, or that would, was that before you you came on board? No, it was right. It was right when I got there. So yeah, I was able. I was able to to meet. The, those two and and see them and yeah just be a part of you know what 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 happened what went down you know as a fan the uh the fourth quarter you know we've gone through all the you know they bring out the giant drums and you got everything kind of thing every gimmick every kind of song around the country and all of a sudden you created that video tribute that puts uh football in perspective as you pause at the end of the fourth quarter, regardless if you're ahead or behind, where does your mind and heart go when you stand there in reverence, paying tribute to your teammates? Man, it really goes goes down to I, I just think about uh, my own family. Uh, it goes down to uh, the people I love. Uh, with that tribute, uh, it's, it's just it's amazing. I'm glad we have that actually because uh, it kind of creates that peace peace in the mind wherever. Whatever the game situation is, it really just calms the heart and really gets you going. Uh, let's play for something bigger. Yeah, that it's more than just about football. Yeah. And um, I get emotional thinking about what it does to the other team, too. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure you were so focused just looking at the big screen with your teammates, but from my vantage point, to look at the other team, every single team, there's always six, eight, maybe ten guys who leave their team huddle, face the big screen, and uh, pay tribute as well. So, you know, as a fan, as a Crimson Club guy, a former guy on the Crimson Club Board of Directors, we take great pride in making sure that when people come into our stadium, they know that we're Utes. You know, they know what we stand for, and it's, it's a game, it's important to win. That even more important than that, it's about vehicle that turns boys into men like you and 
and men into superstar champions. I honor you, my friend. This episode is brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen, a name you can trust, not just in the legal profession in representing us in an accident, but obviously supporting our student athletes on and off the field. Siegfried and Jensen, thank you very much. As we wind down, let's talk about your routine on game day. How do you get fired up? I always use in my interviews the example of Michael Phelps, the, the amazing Olympic swimmer. He has his headphones on before he dives in the pool and breaks a world's record, and we find out he's listening to rap or some classic rock or something. What do you do to get ready for the game? To get ready for the game, uh, I like to review uh, you know, the, the call sheet or uh, the plays that we're running for that day. And so really just to uh, go out there and you know, know that I am mentally prepared and physically prepared. And then, uh, you know, start tuning down. Uh, just like you said, uh, I just get my headphones on the whole day. I uh, just really keep a calm demeanor, you know. Uh, we treat it like it's like we're going to war. Cause Absolutely. That's what it is. What kind of music do you listen to in your headphones then? Or? Man, it's, I have three different playlists. So one's called uh, June's, game, June's Game Day Hop Music, and then one's uh, June's Game Day Classic Music, Classic Rock Music, and then one's June's Game Day Reggae Music. And okay. so depending on how I feel that day, I would base base those playlists off. Of like I would, I would try to tip one song, you know, like Thunderstruck. Oh, yeah. If I hear that one, yeah, that sets me. I feel like I feel like Hell on Wheels. Got that, it. <laughs> just that, Thunderstruck, you know, that, that gets me going. Um, what else? Uh, I would say, um, man, just, just all of that goodness gets me going. And so I listen a lot of even country, but yeah, just mostly just game day classics. Just classic rock is what gets me really going for today. I love it, man. Last question, your favorite food, what do you do? And, and if you were stranded at home and Olivia was nowhere to be found and you couldn't go over to mom's good cooking, uh, what's your favorite food? And then what would you default to cook yourself if you were just by yourself? Or my, my favorite food would got to be, uh, man, there's a lot of favorite things, but I would say cheesecake. <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of my four food groups too. Good, good, good call, bro. <laughs> that's that's literally that's literally. We're not talking steak, potato. We're not, we're not talking veggies. We're talking cheesecake. Four different flavors. <laughs> just just no, it really is cheesecake. I, I love good cheesecake. I literally would have a. I remember one time we just go to Costco. We just put cheesecake in the fridge. That we could have like a piece a day. That was when I was gaining weight. So I still love it to this day. And then <laughs> I love it, man. Okay, so let's wind down our time here. It's, uh, my interview is with Tef- is with Junior Tafuna, and uh, one of the fine young men on our on our team. How can we get in touch with you? How can we help you with the NIL? How can we make sure you don't jump to the NFL at the end of the season because you've had such a phenomenal year? We need you two more years, baby. Talk to us. How do, how do we get a hold of you? How do we support you as an individual in the name, image, and likeness world? Oh yeah, and honestly, just uh, just keep coming to the games. Uh, just follow me on social media. I'm not asking too much, but just keep being the loyal U fans you are, man. I love you guys, and uh, keep making that stadium rock and keep uh, standing up on your feet. Third down jump, let's get it. And, uh, I love it. What's that? Uh, how do we get a hold of you on social media? Oh yeah, just follow uh, uh, JM Tafuna 58, and then from there, yeah, just follow me and just. Yeah, we'll keep in touch to see where I'm at, and you'll see my beautiful wife, see my beautiful dog as well, too, and so Sophie and Olivia, see my little family. I love it. Thanks. That's an amazing interview with Junior Tafuna. I think it's Tongan for 
now a king of the of the of the water or something. I don't know what I'm gonna say to you, bro. But thank you so much for joining us. And you're one of the great superstars on our team. Go use. Thanks. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.